Welcome to Love Your Neighbor. In this episode, Reverend Ann Kirchmeyer speaks with Dr. Karen Merritt. Friends, welcome. Today is Saturday, June the 27th, and I am grateful today to Dr. Karen Merritt, who is one of our fellow parishioners at St. Andrews. Wanted to give you a little bit of background about Karen. She got her Bachelor of Science in Biology at Virginia Union University in Richmond. And then she got her medical degree from Wayne State University School of Medicine in Detroit, Michigan. She is a board certified internist and she's worked in academic medicine, in geriatrics, and then eventually in some private practices in Maryland and North Carolina. Presently, she works as a staff physician in primary care at the Hampton VA Medical Center. She has been a parishioner at St. Andrews for about two and a half years. She sings in our choir, contributing her lovely voice there. She also is one of the, or actually maybe one of the main facilitators of our group trying to respond to gun violence. So I've been really grateful for her leadership in that way. And she was very recently elected by our vestry to be one of our delegates to the diocesan annual council. Karen also is the granddaughter, the daughter, the niece, and the sister of Baptist ministers. She's also the proud mother of an adult daughter who lives in Brooklyn, New York. So Karen, thank you so much for being here. And let's just start with how, how are you doing in the midst of this time? I am actually doing very well. Um, I know that people look at it and say, you know, there are parts that I am saddened by. Um, as to where we are and the divisiveness that I've seen in our country. But overall, there is that hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. That's really where I am. Um, I, you know, I guess with me, I, I feel like as I continue to help patients um, those are the things that I draw strength on so um, that in the midst of all that's going on, I'm okay. I honestly, truthfully, I can truthfully say I really am okay. Um, even though it seems like it's a dark chapter in our history, at 59, I've seen stuff like this before. Um, it scared me when I was a child, but as I've gotten older and I've grown, I realize if we continue to move forward like we did when I was a child, all is and shall be well. So I'm okay. I'm glad to hear that, Karen. That's great. So with that as the framework for how you are, you know, inside, what is this current situation like for you and for your family um, these days? I think based on a, growing up with a, a family of ministers and uh, 
ministers, wives, sisters, yeah, everybody's in the in the family has been very active in church, you know, we're Christians. So for the family in general, yeah, is it is it worrisome and bothersome that it seems like, you know, even though we've gone through some of these changes before, uh, mm-hmm. we're still going through it. And then somebody will say, well, you know, um, it took the children of Israel thousands of years to get from one point to another. And you kind of like saying, then considering that we were out of what uh, slavery in 1863 and we had a president of the United States that was African American by uh, what uh, two, in the 2000s, we're actually doing okay. Um, we will always, as part of my family, be interested in working towards justice and peace um, uh, and realize that it is an ongoing struggle. But again, everybody is okay because we know that even if it may not necessarily happen all in our lifetime, we know that at some point in time, that reconciliation between the races in the United States is going to happen. Got it. So in your life, Karen, when and how have you experienced racism? Interesting question. Um, I think my earliest brushes with racism was probably when I was under the age of five. Um, Although people don't believe that small children remember a lot, I do remember in Jackson, Mississippi, sitting in a separate waiting room to see the doctor. Wow. And now it it didn't hit me as something that was emotional where I was mad. It was just part of what happened, you know, before um, doctor's offices were integrated. Um, um, I also remember back in 1966 when I was in the first grade, um, my parents worked with the civil rights movement in Mississippi. So mm. they decided to... Uh, volunteered three of their four children to integrate the public school system of Jackson, Mississippi. My oldest sister and I were fortunate enough that she and I were still in elementary school. So there was enough of us in those classes that you did have a little bit of balance. But my brother was the only um, black male at Chastain Junior High School along with another young lady. They were only two blacks integrating junior high school in 1966 in Jackson, Mississippi. So, yeah, all of the, the vitriol that you may see on old videos, that was real. Um, and for a six-year-old trying to go into the first grade, sometimes it was a scary experience. I'm sure. I'm yeah, sure. But what was really interesting, and I talked to my mother about this a few days ago, um, when we, the, my parents would basically debrief us when we got home, um, making sure that we were okay. And then what happened was um, we'd go to church. And I remember 
I didn't know the name of the song, but the organist would play. And I knew this one song would just automatically calm me down. And I knew that I was going to be just fine and everything instinctively, even as a child. And that song happened to be A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Oh, wow. Um, so, um, you know, we stayed in Mississippi until I graduated. Well, until I got to the second grade. And then my father was called to a church in Michigan. So we moved up from Jackson. And many people say, well, you wouldn't experience any, you know, racism in Michigan. And it's like, well, what was more overt became more covert. Um, and it was more microaggressions than, than anything else. So, I mean, what it is, is I hate to say it, but you kind of get used to people just being kind of strange and you learn who to make friends with. And if you ever got a chance to educate people on breaking, you know, certain stereotypes they may have in their minds, you got a chance to do it. But by and large, I think growing up black in the United States of America, um, it's pretty hard not to have something happen that somebody at some point in time in your life reminds you that you are black in the United States or even go so far as to use derogatory terms to describe you. Um, and what you do is, in the case of preacher's kids that are also, you know, parents also civil rights workers, you learn to shake it off and realize, although you want it to be personal, sir or ma'am, I can't take it personally. That's just who you are. Wow. <laughs> Great strategy. And then what about any examples from when you uh, were older, no longer a, a child in school? I guess the biggest thing is like when I got to, well, I'll go with medical school. Um, the black students in medical school knew that the running joke among um, the students was uh, don't worry about being on the bottom of the class because, you know, the blacks are going to pay at the bottom. And I'm like saying, eh, no. Um, yeah, I was a right brain musician that decided to go to medical school. Um, so I said, well, you know, if I don't graduate as valedictorian, that's fine. If I'm solidly in the center, um, after everything is said and done, MD is still behind my name. So I'm good to go. And, you know, you, you learn that on different levels, you know, people have a way of looking at you and say, well, you know, um, I've had patients in practice that have looked at me, you know, and asked me, you know, well, well, where did you go to medical school? I'll tell them. And then, you know, I go on and say, well, you know, I have been practicing medicine for, well, as of, I guess, as of this year on the 7th of June, it was 32 years to the day that I graduated from medical school. So it's not like you're sitting here with somebody that's a, a newbie out of medical school. And, um, you know, and, and I think what happens is normally once I develop a rapport with people, well, they get to a point where, oh, she's okay. And I was like, yeah, I, I really am. So <laughs> it, it works out okay. 
<laughs> you are more than okay. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm asking this as a white Christian, and um, and my question is, what can we white Christians do, in your opinion, to be allies for you? I think sitting down and having conversations like this, mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I've come to realize is I look at it as a, a child, uh, a, a gypsy child, so to speak. I was raised to a degree in the South by Southern parents who moved to the Midwest and I decided to come to the East Coast to come back to the South. Um, and looking when I talk to my patients, trying to find that common ground that we may have um, a lot of times, if I know one of my patients likes hunting, well, I, you know, I know my dad was a hunter. We, we raised bird dogs when I was a kid. Um, talking about the things that may have been the same in, in, in our cultures. Um, I mean, Southerners, we're an interesting lot of people. We love eating, enjoy fellowshipping with each other eating good food, um, very, for the most part, very polite people. Even when you're getting a, giving out an insult, like bless your poor little heart, you're being nice. Um, <laughs> looking at all of that and then actually sitting down and saying, okay, how were you raised? And then you find out, you know, there was probably not a whole lot of difference as to how we all came up. I mean, I think the biggest thing that most people in the United States don't understand, I think all families want to make sure that their kids are living in a stable household, there's food on their table, they have opportunities to get educated and go on and become successful um, citizens within the United States without a whole lot of drama. That's everybody. Yes. yes. Um, you know, you want to be in a peaceful environment. You want to know that when you go to the hospital or you go to the doctor's office that you can pay for the bill or you have an insurance that can pay for the bill. You want to know that you don't have to work up until age 80 because you have no retirement. It's the simple things that we could sit down and talk about first mm -hmm. to realize that, you know what, there really isn't a whole lot in the way of differences among us. Um, only thing happened is, you know, genetically, I was, I'm a, I'm a kid that does a little bit better in the sun, but I still have to wear sunscreen. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's not, you know, it, I think the thing is people make a lot of the differences, but I keep saying, let's educate each other on our commonality. And the other thing is sit down and listen to the truth. We already know that over the last 400 years, there has been a story that has been told about people of African descent in this country that I will probably stay as a lie. And by sitting down and talking and finding out how people grew up and what happened in folks' lives, you'll understand, yeah, I'm just like you, you're just like me. And all of that who shot John that was talked up to keep us divided no longer can divide us because we realize 
we came up the same way and we understand each other. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So I think you've already touched a little bit on this, but what gives you hope, Karen? The fact, gosh, so many things, but I think as a Christian, the fact that Jesus loved all of his disciples. He knew what he was getting ready to get into at the cross. He knew that um, they were going to betray him, did everything they did. He died. He rose. He, he's with his dad, but he had so much love that their lives after he ascended, and even before he ascended, were transformed when they saw him after uh, the resurrection. And so I'm like looking at the story of and the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and, and it's all about hope. And if all of what happened to Jesus happened, he could still love and do what was needed um, to um, help us to learn how to love, then I have the hope that if enough of us can really practice what Jesus asked us to practice and live in love, that we'll hit such a critical mass that issues like we're seeing today will no longer be issues. You know mm. what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, that that part of that kingdom of heaven is coming from the hearts and minds of men and women. And if we allow love to rule and guide us, I, I know we can get there. So I'm not going to say uh, all is, is lost. You know, we're going to, everything is bad and then we die. I'm not a nihilist. So I truly believe in the Bible. I understand the transformative power of love. And as long as we keep waking up and we keep loving, there's hope. That's a great note to end on. Thank you, Karen. No so, problem. Um, if it's okay with you, how, how I've been ending is praying. Um, if it's all right, I'll start. And then if you're willing um, to, for you to pray, and then if you could lead us into the Lord's Prayer, okay. that would be great. And just so you know, it's going to sound wonky when we're both saying the Lord's Prayer together. That's fine. We can no let worries. it go. Okay. Holy God, I'm so grateful to you for my sister Karen and for her willingness to be in this conversation with me. I am grateful also for her wisdom and her words of hope, her clarity about your power and the ways that you can transform even our brokenness and the sin of racism in our society. I pray for your help for all of us as we move forward for your blessings on Karen, and for your guidance in this work of reconciliation. I pray all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Father in heaven, we thank you today for this conversation. 
and all of the conversations that are to come to help us all realize we are your children and we have much more in common than we have that is different. Be with us, strengthen us, guide us, and allow your Holy Spirit to come down and light on each one of us and give us the passion to love deeply, fiercely, and without restraint. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive who trespass against us. Against us. And lead, and lead us, us not into temptation, temptation but deliver, deliver us from evil. From evil. For, thine For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the, power, and the, glory, and the glory, forever, forever and, ever. and ever. Amen. Amen. So, listener, what are you thinking and feeling right now? Karen talked about her experiences growing up in the South and in the church, and throughout, Karen has found strength and hope from her faith, even when faced with racism and divisiveness. Her strong conviction in love and transformation leads her to search for common ground and connection with the people she interacts with. This week, try to find some similarities with the people you interact with. How can you bridge gaps between you and others? And finally, look within and look to God, because...
Thank you for listening, and thank you for following and sharing Love Your Neighbor. This show is produced by St. Andrew's Episcopal Church, Newport News, Virginia. Special thanks to Dr. Karen Merritt for singing it as well with my soul.